All right. Um, I'd like to welcome everybody to our uh, January 4th Facility Standards Manual Public Review Committee meeting and call it to order. No members are uh, participating remotely, and committee members disclose that they are members of one or more affected groups, and their respective declarations of interest are kept on file. Minutes of the Facility Standard Manual Public Review Committee. One person short today of right now of being able to vote on any items. We are able to conduct the meeting based on having four people here. Um, what I would like to do for that reason and others is defer selection uh, of the chair and vice chair positions until our February meeting. Obviously, we can't have that election right now because we don't have people. Make a quorum, but secondly, the board has not yet taken action on appointing or confirming new appointees. And I think, just from a fairness standpoint, whenever that happens, it would be more appropriate for that group and maybe the same people here. But you know, um, just to have whatever the PRC consists of as far as membership, make that decision on who they would like to have for their chair next year. Have a general consensus that provides an agreement on that. So we're going to defer that. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, we have two sets of minutes <laughs> that need to be approved uh, that we can't uh, take action on either. Perhaps if we get one person that comes into the room, we'll circle back on that. Clark, just want to give us an update on what the appointment process is looking like so far? Yes. Let's here. Let me share my screen. Basically, you can see what's going on. Okay. So, Many of you have reapplied for <laughs> membership on the PRC, which we're very happy to see. And um, to kind of explain this a little bit, PRC member terms expire December 31st, 2023. Members will serve until reappointed or replaced. That's uh, provision in the board's rules of order. Uh, the board has nominated the following applicants to the PRC, and they plan to take up a non-district specific nominations starting at their next meeting, which would be January. Uh, well, it'll be both nominations and confirmations at their next meeting. Um, so at the, their most recent meeting on January 2nd, these are the individuals who were nominated. And at their December 19th, 2023 board meeting where they started making nominations for the new term, these are the people who were nominated. So that puts us at 13 nominations, cap 15 seats. The way that this has been working is the nominations item for the next board meeting on January 16th will list that we have two vacancies. Even though the confirmations haven't happened yet, they'll just notify the board, you have two additional seats that you can nominate for beyond what's already been nominated. That's the way I understand it. So. That's kind of where we are. If any members who have not 
applied, uh, would wish to apply, uh, you would want to submit your application using the link that I sent out in the email. If anybody needs it again, please let me know. We'll see the deadline then. I'd have to look that up. It's usually like the Friday uh, before. Can you think I want to say? Wasn't it like noon the Friday before? I would encourage you to do it sooner rather than later. Um, just to make sure you make the packet. And I did want to also let everybody know that Peyton Stone is sitting in today. <laughs> He's sitting over here in the corner next to Dave. Peyton works with Dave at DuBerry, and he has been nominated to the PRC and kind of wanted to join us and kind of see the lay of the land a little bit. It's like to be a member. Thank you. <laughs> so welcome. Welcome to Peyton. Yes, yes. Okay. And um, also, I want to give Betsy Smith, our director, the floor for a minute. She has a new hire she would like to introduce. Good afternoon, everybody, and happy new year. So 2024 is going to be a fun one. Um, and it will include as many of you have worked with Anita Tierney for decades. Anita is retiring at the end of March. She will probably not be present at too many more PRC meetings because she skillfully and artfully um, got her calendar that she's not here a whole lot between now and March. But um, fortunately, we're able in the county process to have her student payroll to replace Anita um, or fill in her position. I don't know that you ever replace Anita. Stephen's going to do a fantastic job in his own right. Um, he comes to us from our erosion sediment control team an inspector for several years and then I never get the title right, but a supervisor of the inspectors several years after that. He's worked in the private sector. He's you know very familiar with what the SM presents us, especially as it relates to sediment erosion control and some stormwater. So we're really excited and the role he will maintain is um, representation at these meetings and support of this work in any way. Thank you. I've had the pleasure of working with Stephen on a couple of projects and uh, vouch for his uh, integrity and uh, communication skills. So I look forward to seeing you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we're kind of in this no man's land of we can continue with the meeting, which I'd suggest we do. Have all the effort to be here. Um, but unfortunately, we won't be able to take official action on these technical items. So let's do the best we can. Um, somebody walks in the midst of these discussions, hopefully, we can close some of them out. Our alternative for you for the first item. Thanks. Um, so our first item that we're going to talk about today, I, I sent you all a draft text. I didn't officially ask for comments. Um, I just wanted you to get a chance to look at it ahead of time. But the first item is roadways over dam embankments slash because we added it fire apparatus access road platinum. So you all may remember. Uh, back in preparation for our July 27th, 2022 meeting, I submitted you a quite lengthy white paper 
about a couple um, dam embankment topics that are on the agenda today. It's been a while. We've been working hard trying to get those amendments you know, ready to bring back. Um, so this is sort of follow on to that. So we've drafted amendments for these two topics. And the first topic today is uh, Zeb is going to, Zeb Holtz, our engineering division manager, we all know, is going to present this to you. I'm going to provide some support for Zeb. And actually, Betsy has asked that Zeb take this, this development ordinance amendment, this DOAM forward, and present it to the planning commission board. So he's not me. because Laura can't do a fantastic <laughs> job, but because we have five GOAMs running right now, and I do want to keep her employed and stay <laughs> to free. So <laughs> nice to be cared about. <laughs> so, so Sam is going to present. I'm going to provide some support here, uh, but it's a, it, you know, hopefully we can get through it. We're still a package deal, so yeah. <laughs> Laura and I worked on a lot of this together. Um, you know, really the explanation of it all, I don't think will take too long, but ultimately um, we have situations where a subdivision will come in and propose a private road over a dam embankment, uh, pound structure type thing. And we have seen that that can be problematic with county. Um, a lot of times HOAs would take years and years to drum up the funds for a, a large scale repair. A lot of times the dams weren't necessarily built for that function originally. And so you're, you're years later uh, now subjecting things like that to, to heavier amounts of traffic and, and things like that. So, uh, like I said, we have had instances and that was in that white paper that just went out a long time ago uh, where the county had to get involved ultimately to keep roads open um, and look at, at repairing these structures in a safely or in a safe way for residents. <clears throat> So what we were directed to do is come up with some some regulations there that would prevent these type of things from happening to where the board felt obligated to sort of come to the rescue in these type of situations. And so what we're proposing is that when when a subdivision comes in and proposes a road over a dam like that, that they also provide another access, a full access, <clears throat> which does not cross that dam. And that would be all portions of the development. So, you know, if there's a, a section that's kind of off on its own, that, that we would want that to have an additional access other than going across the dam. Um, <clears throat> so we're referencing the VDOT drainage manual when it comes to causeways, as we were benchmarking with some other localities there that a causeway is part of this as well, having roads cross these areas that, that could be subject to storms and other things that they could actually wash them out and so that that's where all that language comes in um what am i leaving out that, that's pretty yeah let's go ahead and pull that up and show everybody what we're talking about okay so the challenge was we were challenged by our leadership to define some of these things okay what do you mean by dam embankment what do you mean by the causeway and so we didn't have to look far we were able to go to the VDOT drainage manual appendix and the terms were defined roadway dam is an embankment designed to impound water they're temporarily or permanently that also serves as a roadbed for motor vehicles and roadway causeway is an earthen embankment intended to serve as a roadbed for motor vehicles across an area designated as a stormwater impoundment area so I will admit I was confused by causeway 
And I think a lot of people are, and they think it would be downstream of the dam, but it's actually upstream of the dam. So there's a lot of interesting graphics in here that show the different causeway scenarios. So this first one um, is actually showing the road in blue, and you can see what's happening here. Um, the permanent impoundment area is sort of this shaded gray area, and you can see one side of the roadway is abutting that um, impoundment area. And so this is treated as a dam. This causeway, because it's crossing the permanent impoundment area, it would be considered a dam just as much as the downstream dam would be. And there's a couple other scenarios here I just want to quickly give you. Um, here's one where you can see the road is sort of crossing through the impoundment area as opposed to just abutting it. As you can imagine, that would also be considered a causeway. In the next scenario, you have the roadway is outside of the shaded permanent impoundment area. However, um, there are some stipulations. It could be a causeway or it may not be a causeway. <laughs> and the criteria is that um, if the hydraulic capacity of the drainage facility under the causeway is equal to the hydraulic capacity of the principal spillway of the dam, okay, then it would not be treated as a causeway. So there are some criteria there. They want to make sure water is going to flow. So that's that one's a little bit trickier to, to figure out. And then you have this situation where uh, the roadway is clearly outside of the impoundment area, and it's basically outside the um, limits of that design impoundment area, and it's just not going to be considered a dam. It's far enough outside of that area. So we thought this was kind of a, a good one to reference because there's a lot of illustrations to help us in determining what's put of us. Last one that is a causeway, so you would need another access point. This is not, this one is, this causeway would not be treated as a dam in this last one, but the other ones, yes. In this scenario, they could have just the one street. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I mean, it would be this, though. It would be placed in the blue area. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm not making sense. <laughs> I don't mean it would go over the dam. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's what that should be. Okay. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, are we on the same page? <laughs> I'm saying it right. Um, so that's kind of where we landed when we were talking about how to define dam embankment and also roadway causeway for the purposes of this provision, chapter four. Can I ask a question? Of course. I've seen this with private roads. It's always been a bit of a concern. It does take the developer or the HOA typically a long time to get uh, off the bond on those things. I've not dealt with it in a public room. Right. Yeah, VDOT won't accept. So I'm saying they describe all this and they, they say if it's a roadway over a dam or a causeway, it's not it's acceptable in the state system. Yeah. Right, right. That, yeah, that's why they're coming up as private roads. Um, yeah, because VDOT will, my understanding, VDOT won't even entertain it. They'll accept it, but there's a lot of hoops. That's what I'm There's a lot of hoops. There's got to be agreements about if the dam fails, who will maintain the dam. And it, yeah, and nobody will take responsibility. Because it reference to your design criteria for roadway dams in chapter 14. 
they will take them, but they but it is quite complicated. And and historically, um, they will ask for secondary access as well. That was something we covered in more detail in the white paper. But so okay, we kind of model our approach based on the VDOT approach. What's acceptable for them? Um, so this would this is pretty simple. Not exactly the same, but but similar approach. So you had a situation where private road next next to a public road interfacing subdivision crosses over a dam. These on and connects back again to public road. Is that acceptable? Does that count as a good point of access? You know, they're kind of that's contiguous. That, that's fine. Yeah, that's the fire department actually will look at it that way. It's have multiple ways in. You're saying the road over the dam is offsite, not in the property you're developing. No, no, I think I'm saying it's on. It's on site. Oh, you're saying it's on site. Yeah, it's a straight part of the development. It's a it's a loop. Say you yeah, yeah. get through subdivision. Oh yeah, okay. yeah. I'm sorry. But you're saying people, houses on either side can get out the opposite way. Yes. Well, well, houses on either side would be able to get out on their side if the dam failed. Right. Well, that's what that's what when we say every all portions of a development. So we would want everybody to have an adequate access. The worst thing happened. You have an example. So, so if the dam was first. Yeah, so it's one, no, point, it's one point of access then. It could be two based on fire access requirements. That's a separate requirement. Well, we're saying we're saying too, if, if, if the primary access is crossing the dam, we're saying we want a second full access for the so if the dam's here and they come in, houses are here and it loops around, then they're all covered. They can all get out. But, uh, but if it's somewhere in the middle, right. then you've got a section that we cut off. Text up there so it won't point access for everybody. Say that again, Peyton. The text up there says one point of access for everybody. That does not cross the dam. Right. So there could be multiple required by the fire efforts access requirements. There could be two, three. But one, at least one of those has to not cross the And I can pull up the white paper if you want pictures, if it helps you to speak to it. You, you just tell me what you need. Because Crichton's in there. Well, I mean, how, how, how are we looking? Do, do, do we need some more information on this, or feel pretty good? I, you know, it's been so long. I don't remember what was in the white paper, and I guess um, a year and a half ago. Yeah. Is <laughs> <laughs> uh, open space part of a development? What's that? Is open space part of a development? You said portion, all portions of a development, are as opposed to all residences or. Uh, I mean, the intent is that the residences can get off, right. you know, get access to the road. I see what you mean. Know. Yeah, it's. Like a top lot, you're talking like a top lot is in the open space. Yeah, 
Yeah, I'm saying I'm thinking that open space, the actual open space would necessarily need to get to that. Right? I mean, I would tend to to agree with that. We we can talk more internally about that. Make sure we're not missing anything. But Jason, do you have any opinion on on something like that? Well, what was the question? If this needs to incorporate open space, like natural open space areas, blocks that are are just there to preserve trees and such, or could it exclude? The current draft says all portions. Does that mean a, a non-residential, non-building yeah. portion? Um. No, it doesn't mean. Basically, it can be certainly all residences. I mean, it depends on what, you know, some of these, uh, in particular, the um, in the rural developments and the rural subdivisions. You know, now we have uh, rural economy lots that can have wineries on them, you know, that are limited breweries where, you know, um several hundred people could congregate so that's the kind of things we're looking for in regard to all portions of a development i would not say it includes a tot lot or random you know areas of an open space parcel that are just um you know devoid of development and left in a natural state so it wouldn't include like rec areas or anything like that that's on that open space we're strictly looking at residences residences and businesses things like that well you said rec areas i mean the uh, hoa clubhouse could be considered a recreation yeah. facility depending on how big it ends up being i guess i would like to see the white paper because my question would be if we're being more restrictive than what Vita allows like to understand why if he has a complicated process so be it you know so VDOT's process i worked with VDOT and tried to get information about what the secondary access has to be it's very vague um we clarified that that it has to be full secondary access period yeah full secondary access like a full road design oh. not an emergency access gated it's a full road that's independent of a dam. Um, the VDOT process, it, I, I can show you what the language is. And it is currently affecting other callers. First, here's the loop. <laughs> this is the loop road that we talked about. We just had this conversation, right, about a loop road? Yeah, I designed that. There you go. So that's fine. Um, so that was there. Um, and then this is a, this is another one. I don't know if you want to speak to it. This is another project where there were going to be some of these lots in the back, yeah, right? So there was eight lots that would be completely isolated. And a cul-de-sac. Yeah. Yeah, cul-de-sac here. And with a, a very steep slope on either side, there's just no way to, to get out of there. That dam would fail or, or even need extensive repairs. I don't know how you keep it open, you know, to do that. And actually, let me just scroll back up and hit the last one. This is on the Fairfax County Loudoun County border. And um, so you have residences with Lake Drive that can't presumably get out across this dam. 
and they're looking to, it's off the screen, but they're looking to interpersonal connect to a full-stack environment. So they're looking at remedies, um, but this dam is washed out, been repaired, and well, not washed completely out. <laughs> the dam has topped the backside of the dam that's eroded. You can imagine that's complicated the road and caused maintenance problems, so it's been an issue. So I just, there is some history here, um, a couple examples here. Um, so here is what VDOT requires. So if you have a specific question, supplemental alternative roadway access with provisions for pet ritual maintenance shall be provided. So it is just not as clear as we would want it to be in our FSM. Um, but that is literally out of the, uh, I think that was out of subdivision street requirements. So. Oh, uh, that's our project. That's what they're paying. They would not accept the. Uh, they'd accept the road on either side of the dam, but not the dam itself. Right away, shall be dedicated to the county, not the state. Well, Kevin, what happens is that VDOT accepts the right of way, but they make the county pull a land use permit for the dam. So the county is responsible for maintaining the dam that the roadway is built upon. The county then turns into, then um, enters into an agreement with the landowner or the HOA, where we put all of our maintenance responsibility on the landowner or the HOA. That's how it works. VDOT does not maintain the extrinsic structure, which in this case is the dam itself. Um, we run into issues. You know, it's one thing if you're talking. Well, I mean. The Ashburn Village Boulevard dams are not a great example because there's obviously multiple points of access to all the houses, you know, that are um, located along Ashburn Village Boulevard. This is through this is through um, Ashburn Village proper. Um, but with these small developments, that's where we run into issues is that the maintenance for these dams is tens of thousands of dollars hundreds of thousands of dollars if there's some kind of catastrophic um, failure of the dam and there aren't enough residences to pay that uh, cost. So, I'm sorry, I'll take it. They are consistent with DDOT. Well, if DDOT is requiring a second one back. But. They are, yeah. And I wanted to show it to you so sure. to the point it's been a long time. Um, try to get back to the language. Sorry. <laughs> so this is here. Um, this is also repeated. Should I, can I move on? Yeah. Okay, to show everybody the next. Okay. I'm not trying to go ahead, but uh, the next section, it's also this text is essentially repeated in the fire apparatus access road session section. This is what I was speaking to earlier. The fire marshal has the right to require more than one fire emergency access road if there's a potential for impairment and things like vehicle congestion, condition of train, climate. It's kind of, you know, this condition of the train, kind of a dam embankment. It seemed like it fit well here. So this text is just repeated in the fire emergency access road standards.
the exact same language. Um, and if we're ready, I can move on to the flat note. Yes. So Kevin, you had some things about that. Everybody okay with that? So we move on to So during the course, uh, there were a lot of people involved in drafting this. Obviously, it took some time, but uh, we all we met with the Department of General Services. We also met with the fire marshal's office, and of course, Jason was instrumental in helping us draft all the text. And one of the issues that came up was that sometimes for the fire marshal's office and general services, Sometimes maintenance of the emergency vehicle only fire first access road, kind of like your gated emergency access, has not been clear. Um, and they wanted us to try to clarify that provision. We asked a lot of questions like, oh, isn't that in the maintenance agreement? <laughs> Jason was like, no, it, it's not. So we felt like a plat note would be the most appropriate way to tackle this. And so that's kind of this became part of this project, um, and that's kind of where we came up with this stuff. And my my question was, if it's a public road, this this says maintenance of all fire efforts, access roads. This stated as access for emergency vehicles owned. So would it be public? Yeah. Then it says on private and public roads. How? Oh, that's and fire lane. That's a separate thing. I'm sorry. And fire lane identification. Oh. I, I, Jason, correct me if I'm saying this wrong, but I think it's two parts. Well, including that's the maintenance. So maintenance of those emergency access only, which are typically private. I don't know of a public one, but I hope Jason could find on that. And that and maintenance of fire lane identification. The signs, the the markings, is the responsibility. I think we intend that to be a two part. Again, why, why would there? Again, it's a public road. How does there become a private responsibility for fire lane signs? Yeah, that's DDOT doesn't maintain them. Yeah, doesn't want. It sometimes isn't there parking, no parking, and signs in, on public roads. Somebody has to make name that. Help me, Angela. Yeah, I'm trying to think of you know, a project where it's like parking on one side only. Okay, so we signs there that ain't, but you're right, I don't know that be dot maintained. My understanding is they don't. Yeah. And so there's been issues where the in the past where the fire marshal's office is trying to get a sign replaced. People can take them down because they're visually intrusive. And then it's not safe. And then we go out and say, put your signs back up. And then they who has to put the signs up? Does the county put the signs back up? Does the HOA put the signs back up? Let me flip it around then. A fire adverse access route that is for emergency vehicles only. Why would that be public? It wouldn't. And so that's why I think this, the, this phrase. The wording is really 
Well, for one thing, if it's really two different things, it shouldn't be is, it should be are the responsibility. If you're really saying, Laura, those are two different things, are you saying maintenance of one, yeah. all the access roads, and two, fireland identification are the responsibility? I, 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 I can I agree with that, Jason. I'm hearing Elizabeth. So saying those are two different things. So that's what I'm always I can read their thing all different ways. I start off with it. We're talking about fire address roads designated as access for emergency vehicles and home. Okay. In that case, what what are the criteria? And if it's emergency vehicles only, I don't think that becomes a public road. It's not. We right. need, that's not intended to be. But maybe do you want me to say end maintenance up? I, I think it needs to be broken into two sentences. Yeah. 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 What if I do this? But this is a no. A no. So that's why we don't want to vote. But um, what if it just says and maintenance? And then are the responsibility. It starts off And you have a fire road that's gravel or pavers or something. So we're going to be quite difficult on that. Precisely why we don't want to do it. No, they have a way to do it. They actually just raise the blade. There's a way to, to do it. They just raise the blade a bit. We talked about this at night. I have an apparatus access road that's for emergency and it was private. So I'll have an easy one. They won't, the deed won't. I asked Jason that. I said, do those deeds fit exactly what I asked him? And he said, no. Even if it has a access easement? Am I wrong, Jason? <laughs> I thought I asked you this about if, if the emergency access has a, a private access easement with the deed specify maintenance responsibility. Can you hear us, Jason? You're muted if you're if you're responding. I mean, it might be a note on the plan as well, but I think it could be in the deed. I thought I we weren't even going to do a note because we thought it was in the deed. Yeah, but I think it can be in the deed, but it's not like universally required to be. In the deed. I thought that was odd myself. Yeah, I've just typically seen that language. I, I would think it would rather. I thought it was a taking care of. Um, and I know Jason said, I'm speaking for him because I don't know if he can hear us. Um, but um, can you message him? I, yeah, I, I just think it's a confusing note. And if we had two, if you start off saying maintenance of our access roads designated as access ways for emergency vehicles only, including snow removal shall be the responsibility of the POA, HOA, whatever, and not a public responsibility. That's item one. Two. I want um, to say it all again, because you're going to put all those entities. I think so, but it, it, it's just. You like it. Can you flip it around and make the, you know, the entities the first part, and then you yeah. have two both sub-bullets underneath it. So repeating. Right. And let me try. I'm going to try. Let's <laughs> big at it. You throw at me on the first meeting of the new year. Okay. You're up to it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Either way. I mean, I, yeah. I agree. 
Are you thinking like these people shall maintain? I'll maintain colon and then the two different. Jason's available to ask about the B. Can you hear us? We just can't hear him. Oh, I, see. I thought he was back. or I guess state property overload shall maintain. I can do this. Oh, I'm trying to get there, Keith. I know what you're saying. Um, This shall not be a. Can I make it work? Does it fix it without bullets? I mean, it does the second version. And fire. I'd make a separate sense of maintenance shall not be a responsibility. I'm with Kevin. As soon as you, as soon as it says emergency vehicles only, then it only applies to private. Once you put public stuff after, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Okay. Flip the two, but. Maintaining, so you be more bullets or gold bullets. That's that's very clear to me. Better? Clearer. This is the new text right here. We had a situation. County staff requested fire lane signage on an existing public road. Vita said we don't want them. And the comment was dropped. But this is adopted. Does that mean that you have a project that's running on an existing, particularly an existing? Road that we're going to have this view between the county and the for putting their signs. How long ago was that? I don't want to say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I, 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 I dealt with it in fair <laughs> Relatively recent. Relatively recent? <laughs> like the last six months, last year? I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is a hypothetical. Work it out. I don't think it's wrong. I just because the that's a since the amendments came in, right? The fire press. Since then, 
get the last one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Now, if it comes back before my <laughs> conditional <laughs> approval. Well done. <laughs> That's not me. He probably knows what it is. Um, it was a complicated. But there are no signs then to be maintained, right? I mean, I'm just trying to think through. If the signs don't get put in, then this is moot, right? I guess, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Modify the note as needed. Is that what it's not? All right, Jason, are you there? Yeah, sorry, I had to step away for a second. That's okay. We have a gazillion questions for you. Um, of course, oh, so step away. Um, so the first, the first question from Angela was, um, doesn't the deed for emergency, for the, okay, there's a private access easement for emergency vehicles only, and doesn't the deed specify maintenance? I told her, I thought I asked you that question, and you said not necessarily. Um. There may be, what's this entire requirement for? Can you put the whole requirement on the screen, please? Yeah, we changed the wording. We we just changed the wording um, to this. Yeah, so my question, Jason, was, uh, because we're adding the requirement to add a note to the plat with this paragraph, right? Mm -hmm. So my question was, isn't that already covered in the deed? This who would okay, maintain that easement? I think yes. Um, typically, these emergency uh, access only will have. They're not usually subject to the um, the county easement emergency access easement there's usually a separate section in the deed that specifically addresses these um it grants a very similar emergency access easement to the county i believe it does reference um private maintenance property uh, either the uh, the owner or the homeowners association yes so your answer to your question is yes um, however, I would say it has also been the county's, I think there's an FSM requirement um, related to this, um, and it's also our preference to also have a note on the plat specifically calling out who's going to be maintaining these uh, private features and facilities. Yeah, okay. So this is just ensuring it's on the plat as well as in the deed. Correct. Okay. Sorry about that. I thought it, yeah. it didn't always, or there was some there was some catch up. Because I think Jason, weren't we going to try to require this as part of covenants because it wasn't making it into the deed, and we've struggled with this a little bit. Um. Correct, and it probably will end up being in the. Uh, it should end up being included in the covenants as well. Yeah, I would think the second part may get lost, right? The signs, because it's in, especially if it's in like or something, right? Or that's not going to be in a D. 
that's not going to be that's going to be harder to find or retain. That's the first piece of it is an easement on the plaque. Should be sure, a condition of it, but if there needs to be a plaque note, I get that too. Just so it's consistent, right? So like the deed language yeah. that basically uses the same language that's <clears throat> The maintenance, the actual, the wording, right, including snow removal, because you probably have specific language, right, Jason? You want to use there, and maybe this is it. I'm I'm sorry. What's the question? It's a little uh, breaking up a little bit. Oh, sorry. I was just saying, like, you probably have specific language in your deed language that you want also on the plat to be consistent, right? So, just ensuring that this is the right language for that. There's no discrepancy, I guess. Is what Do you want to take a look at this, Jason, and see if we can change it? Please. Yeah, we can take a closer look, and um, I don't have a copy of the specific deed language. Well, I mean, typically, let me go back. In the deeds, and again, I, I'm going off of memory, so I could be mistaken, but I think it usually says something like construction, maintenance, repair, and replacement, you know, are the responsibility of the owner, or sometimes it's... <clears throat> Uh, construction is the responsibility of, you know, the developer, maintenance and repair, replacement are responsibility. Well, I mean, including snow removal are the responsibility of the association. So um, I don't think we need to get into all. I don't think our plat notes typically include all four of those activities, construction, maintenance, repair, replacement. Um, but uh, I think we can look at this further and compare it to what we have in the deed. Okay. Also, yeah, this is just maintenance, right? Yeah. And not for maintenance. Okay. Also, I mean, this, again, is applicable only to those access ways that are designated for emergency vehicles only, which doesn't apply to every project. Because yeah. the, the note can be voided if it's not applicable. But I think the way this is written says, point blank you have to provide this note on a plat. Fire apparatus access road note. That's correct. Um or I agree with what you said, Kevin. Um obviously if a fire apparatus access road is a public road, VDOT's gonna be plowing it and maintaining it. If it is a private road, it's going to be um already included in the HOAs or you know if it's a private road maintenance agreement it's going to be addressed in that so this is truly just those um, standalone kind of gravel paths at the end of cul-de-sacs that you know connect to um, a public road right outside the development um, so yeah I think it, it would um, uh, at least regarding the emergency access only um, fire apparatus access roads, at least that part would only be, you know, if applicable. You typically don't like having if applicable in the FSM. But we can do this. We can do well. I'm so sorry, scrolling to this fast because this came up before. One of the last notes we did as a group was this archaeology note. And we wrote no note needs to be provided if a particular survey is not performed. 
But I feel like we can do that everywhere in the FSM. Yeah. If you don't have this, then don't do it. I mean, it's, yeah. it's assumed. You like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's fine. We could talk ourselves into a corner, but it's fine. Okay. If you would just read through that to get a comfort level, Jason, we can't vote our, you know, on this today because we don't have a quorum. So, okay. Thank you. And I'll send him this. Um, Language broken out and everything. And then otherwise, it was just in other plats and evens, just cross referencing the Fire Act, Radis Access Road note. So let me, yeah, let me try to explain that because I this is so confusing. <laughs> but 8103, most plats reference 8103, right? So you don't have to cross reference everywhere, but you get to certain plats like 8103.6 easements. It doesn't, in the intro, it doesn't cross-reference 8.3. So you might say to yourself, well, why do you put 8.103, which you didn't put a cross-reference in 103.1, 2, 3, 4, 5. It, it's not needed. It references 8.103. It's already there. So, but when you get to 8.103.6, it doesn't cross-reference 8.103, so we need to put it there. Same thing with Deddy's 8.103.7. You can see it doesn't work. Do the cross reference and then that um, SBBD, that's it. So that's pretty normal for us. No, no, I'm fine. Yeah. Just wanted to. What are the numbers represented? 19. Okay, so that's, I didn't list them all. There's it's like 18 notes. There's 18 requirements, and uh -huh. I just put under plat requirements, including number 19. Oh, I see. So you're referencing the previous section for 1 through 18, and then this is yeah. another one for this plat. So yeah. Take a shortcut, Angela. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can look at those 157 pages to try to figure out what to change. Yeah. I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Or we deleted everything else, right? Oh, that's previously. No, that would be red line. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just trying to make me crazy. You're scaring me. You're like, you're going to give me the, the nightmares. <laughs> um, so that's that's it for your amendment, right? So, chapter four changes. Uh, I, I got a question back to the initial note about not being a dam. What if you have one access that's a dam and one access that's a causeway? <laughs> Does that work? Well, <laughs> a causeway within the floodway or a causeway outside of in the Vita. <laughs> It's it's downstream. It's, to me, it says they need to be treated as dams, which means you need a second point, but it doesn't say that they're both going to fail at the same time. It doesn't seem like they're the, the diagram for what a flood inundation thing or something. It just says if the causeway crosses that, then it's considered a, a dam. Right. It's prohibited, but if it's a little further downstream. Well, no, it just says that it has to be treated as a dam, I think. So you can technically have two accesses that are on bands. What says one point that's what that's saying. You want no. one that's not crossing a dam embankment or causeway. If I only need a race. Need I cause a causeway anything that crosses. But it just says you need a second access. It doesn't mean you can't have two dam accesses the way I was reading it. Right. We just want one that doesn't do that. You could have you could have one on the causeway, one on the dam, and one somewhere else. I don't think VDOT requires a third. I'm trying to say. He does. 
you're saying B dot sliding your secondary axis to be a positive? So you can't. Where are you getting that? Let's go back. Let's see. The second says, if you have a crossways crossing a design flood area beyond the limits of design impoundment area, shall not be subject to the requirements of this document. And shall only be subject to the specs for roadway embankments and drainage structures. Right. Does that help? What you're thinking? Equal. You go far enough upstream, you're no longer within the. I guess I, guess I was trying to read it that under your impoundment area. Well, that's not, yeah, that's not. Then it makes like an access. But you don't want Keith, somebody to say, I'm not in the dam, I'm upstream of the dam. And then it still fails because. The same well, the same event that would wipe out the dam and wipe out the crossway. Oh, well, it just says that. A causeway has to go through the same process as a dam. It doesn't say that. So we're treating them the same. A dam and a causeway require a second point of access that's not a dam. That's my best explanation. Yeah. They're in the same family, dams and causeways. When does a creek crossing become a causeway? If you go far enough upstream, yeah. you're not within the influence area yeah. of the dam. And so now it's not it's not a cause. What's going about? Yeah, I guess I'm trying to figure out is the causeway gonna fail at the same time the dam does? It could be either, right? I mean which would if it's either, you still have an access. We're trying to prevent them having zero access. That's that's what I'm asking the question. I'm not saying so, we should. Yeah, oh, I understand. It's so just there's so close. If you're in the design and a really big lake. <laughs> what if it's two different dams? Okay, what then if you apply for a waiver. What if it's two different? Then we issue your waiver. <laughs> you, if you make a good, I think I think the director would would review that as a potential waiver application. <laughs> that question took over ten years to resolve on a hillside circle, maybe twenty years. Because we were looking at creating upstream, yeah, <laughs> I want to bring up a good point though on this topic, and that's we see one of these about every twenty years, yeah. Yeah. and we are unlikely to be able to capture every possible situation that could arise out of it. So what Zeb and Laura were really trying to do was address the real safety risk of, of creating a community that um, have privately maintains roads, that if that dam failed, they had no way in and out of their homes. Um, so there are waivers, there are things that, that can be done, and we can do another DOAM if another, you know, Situation is presented to us. It's a little bit different, but the keep it keep focused on that. The primary purpose of this was to address that true safety risk. Yeah, and I think everybody and gets it. Not on a dam. Right. I mean, that that one's pretty clear. It's where does the causeway, you know, a road crossing is not on the dam, but is in some proximity to the common area. Or you know, where when does that become um, part of the the, da the dam prohibition? And that's you can read that any way you want to read. Oh, I said that. 
That's probably going to be different on every type of yeah. dam. Well, I think well, we do have point of VDOT, yeah, they do give you some of that. And then if, if we're mimicking that, if you get far enough upstream, you still could still be within what they're calling limits of the design flood, but not within the impoundment. If you're in the flood, Zone, but not the impoundment area, it's no longer subject to that secondary access requirement. Just put the road downstream. <laughs> I know this is your finger. I was just trying to figure out if the intent was to not have the same on the, the same ponds. I didn't think they would both fail at the same time. I thought it would still give you what you're looking for. I think it's the maintenance issue. You have a very good point. I mean, I understand what you're saying. I, I, you know, and we had all these conversations. In fact, the one project that she had, there was another dam downstream of. So if it hits this one, it, but is that likely? I mean, there's a lot of limits. Oh, yeah, I was making sure that was the intent. I don't think I'm going to be the time point. So, so it sounds like we can't vote on this today. And we're going to take a peek at the plat note, but it sounds like this could be a quick circle back. Yeah, just that include that white paper. Like, okay. Yeah. Is that what you were asking, Deb? Yeah, I was going to ask Kat because I, I, mean, I was excited to get moving on this one. So, yeah, I don't think there's presented again. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Work that's pretty much it. <laughs> I guess. Actually, my objective is to like slow it down so that he can take both. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> We're a little behind. I know, yeah. Let's, I know. let's try to hit this. Okay. Okay, so I have some introductory. I, I kind of want to recap some of the things that were in the white paper for this topic of dam break inundation zones. I know I put it up on screen so you can kind of follow up. Um, so Virginia Department of Conservation and Recreation, we'll call it BCR from now on out, <laughs> um, they actually regulate dams. Elizabeth smiling because Elizabeth has regulated dams. We have a, an expert here. <laughs> we have an expert in the room who can tell us all about this, but um, <laughs> I think she's accepted her. She got a bill. <laughs> but uh, so uh, they regulate dams that are 25 feet or greater in height with an impoundment capacity of 15 acre feet or greater. And then if your dam's only six feet or greater in height, it's they regulate it as a larger impoundment area of 50 acre feet or greater. So I want to be very clear that the amendments we're talking about are very specific to the DCR regulated dams. Okay, because many of you know we have in our FSM separate requirements. If you're 15 feet or over, we have certain requirements to submit design criteria for dams, but that's separate. Um, and the other thing to kind of know about the DCR program is that they categorize their dams into three different hazard classes. So it's high, significant, or low. High is where there's probable loss of life or serious economic damage if there's a failure. Significant is it may cause loss of life or significant uh, appreciable uh, economic damage. And low is where the failure doesn't really cause a loss of life um, and there would only be minimal 
economic damage. I also want to put this in scope for everybody. We have 133 regulated dams in Loudoun. That's a lot of dams. But um, of those, only 31 have hazard plus ratings, okay? So a lot of owners have not been through the process. They have not gotten their dam rated. They have not done inundation zone maps. You know, just because you see 133, I think a lot of people originally, oh my gosh, you know, every project I work on is going to have a dam break inundation, <laughs> and that's not the case. So we have 15 high, nine significant, low. Currently, DCR has a map, and they have data available on their map for eight dams, four highs, two significant, one low, and one unknown. Um, that map, let me show it to you. Um, need to, but I'm going to keep moving um, since we're behind. But basically what that map shows is if you're zoomed out on that map, you just see a polygon. And that's a simplified dam break inundation zone. It's the widest you know, inundation area. Okay, that's going to be your dam breaks at the point of your maximum probable flood. <laughs> like that's the true crisis scenario, right? The dam breaks when we are on the major flood. Um, if you zoom in on their map, there's like five different layers. You go all the way from maximum probable flood down to a narrower inundation zone, which is like sunny day. It's a beautiful sunny day. The dam just breaks. <laughs> and it's a lot less of an inundation zone than what you would anticipate in a big storm. So that's probably more than you ever needed to know about dam break inundation zones. But uh, we are actually, so listen, we only have eight. Um, but we are actually in a really interesting partnership with DCR, and I want to tell you all about it because you might hear about it from your colleagues. There are some local engineers that we'll be reaching out to. There are about 17 dams where we feel like we could get digital data and expand that GIS layer that DCR has um, because there's PDF maps of inundation zones. Somebody's done the engineering work, you see the maps. We could just digitize those maps, but we would obviously prefer to get the digital data right from the engineer because that's going to be a much more robust um, source. So we are going to try to expand this DCR layer. Um, if this is important, it's funny because the amendments are very simple. It's <laughs> very simple minor amendments, but implementing this is kind of a difficult task because our staff only has like 10 days to say, is the development in or out of the inundation zone and get it to DCR, if it is. So um, we need an efficient way to be able to make that determination. And so one of the things we're looking at is could we overlay DCR's layer on our parcels? So as you can imagine, we can just pop in a parcel number and boom, there it is. It's in, it's out, it's very, it's very clear. So, Bear with me on this part of it. This is in its infancy. This is more of an implementation aspect that affects staff. It can also affect engineers looking to see if it's on their project. Uh, but we are working on that. So be very clear with this last bullet. These amendments only apply to dams that have a dam break inundation zone map available prior to approval of the application. So we, we were kind of specific on that because some applications take multiple submissions, lengthy bit of time, and we don't want it to get to the point where we got an inundation zone map halfway in and we didn't consider it. We felt like, you know, if, or if we ask you about the dam and say, do you have an inundation zone map and you provide one, we want to be able to review it and comply with the state law. 
So it's also important to know that this is a state law. This has been on the books for over a decade. Most jurisdictions have already put this in their ordinances. I have plenty of ordinances that I could go to from different jurisdictions and see how they're doing this. Um, and they're already meeting the requirement of doing this review and sending it over to DCR. That's sort of the long, long-winded explanation of why we're doing this. Um, let me. Also, seems a lot that this would be prior to approval as opposed to at the time of application. Because because we didn't want it, some applications could go six months, eight months, a year, and if if uh, an inundation zone map comes up that shows you're in an inundation zone, we feel like we have to comply with the state law and send it to DCR for review. Can't just like you know not. Also, we do this. Following the rules that are effective at the time of application. Well, Jason, you're gonna bail me out. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get an answer today because I can't vote it, but I, I, I just say uh, to go right now. This was the best available data. Must meet state code. You can't, you can't. If it's out there, it, it, we must consider it. That was the explanation that that we went by. I'm just thinking if I've worked on something for a year and then you get one approved and then you're coming back and telling me I've got to change it, that, that's. So, okay, I'm going to give, give my example. I'm going to do my real life <laughs> scenario, okay? Because I had this actual conversation. So, back in the day, when I was the staff reviewer, <laughs> longer than a month ago, <laughs> for Kevin's example, um, I had a project come in and it was downstream of a rather large regulated dam. And I inquired to the uh, developer, applicant, ended up being discussions with the developer. Um, so where's the inundation zone? And uh, this actually, the dam happened to be on this person's property in full disclosure. And what, do you have a certificate? And the developer said, you don't have authority to ask me that because you're only allowed to ask if I have all applicable federal and state permits. And an operation of maintenance certificate is not a permit. To which I said, okay, I understand. But if we issue a zoning permit for a house downstream of that dam and it gets under construction and we find out it's an inundation zone, we have the flood, and, and they were like, okay, yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll agree, but they needed time. So we made the agreement. We are not going to issue any zoning permits. So we have your inundation zone map. And we know that you're out, those homes are outside of the inundation zone. So it ended up kept, being a, it, um, mutually beneficial. It ended up being that the applicant wanted to know just as bad as we did on staff if those homes were going to be in an inundation zone. So I hear you, <laughs> but it, it's also to their detriment. If we don't identify that and the homes are in the inundation zone and we permit them, That's the issue. And it was real life. I mean, it was me going, I think we should do this. And at first the applicant going, you can't make me. And then going, yeah, we should do that. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good idea. Grandfathering question. It's not really grandfathering, but kind of, you know, it really is at the end of the day, if we get better information, it is in everybody's best interest not to build the house. 
in what we now know is the inundation. And maybe it'll work the other way. Maybe that house where you wanted to build it, you thought was, and now it's not. That that's ever happened. <laughs> Actually, all the houses. Are, okay, let me just say the good news: all the houses are outside the inundation zone. Let's look at what he proposed. All right. I mean, it's the, showing it is one thing, and what I had more questions about that. Okay, now if the inundation goes across your property, what you have to do as far as contribution. Right. Fixes that started to get. <laughs> yes. So you want to jump? No. You want, do you want me to roll through, or do you no, want to jump to no, that? Or? No, no, no. Go through. Okay, roll through. Okay, <laughs> roll through. All right. So we there's a minor LSBO amendment here, basically just to say that this is required pursuant to the Dam Safety Act and regulations. And that most of the need of this is in the FSM, where we would expect it to be. But this was something we felt because the state. Code authorizes the subdivision ordinance to do this, to regulate these types of inundation areas. We wanted to put it on stamp. So it's pretty simple LSDO text. It's unusual for us to review LSDO text, but in this case, we have it. All right, so then here's, here's where um, rubber meets the road. If um, we have a preliminary plan, construction plan of profiles, or site plan, if we didn't already see it on the preliminary, um, being located within the boundaries of a dam break inundation zone. Our obligation for the state code and the regulations is that we review it. Um, we have to notify the impounding structures owner, and we have that 10-day time frame to forward the application to DCR um, for review. Uh, and then and then DCR is going to look at it. They're going to opine as to whether or not that development downstream in the inundation zone would affect the spillway design, the dam, and if any upgrades would need to be made. So, okay, well, I remember, sort of remember this. So, I have a dam, do have a dam, so not hypothetical. So, if somebody wants to build a development downstream, however far, they then contact, somebody contacts me, and then I have it's not that you have the days, okay? So, so bear with me. So, what ends up happening is um, DCR uh, has to make a determination, or say if they have no comments, okay? Going forward, this is Kevin's concern. If DCR um, says that development is going to change the spillway design, then the developer basically has to come up with a plan, an engineered plan for what the improvements need to be made, and put up 50% of the cost. So this aggravates a lot of dam owners because they're like, I paid the other 50% of the cost to accommodate the development downstream, but that's the way the, the law is written. Um, or they have the option to just say, I don't want to pay for a study. I don't want to put up the 50%. I'm just going to take these houses or this proposed development outside of the inundation zone and relocate some things. That's the developer's choice. But the dam owner doesn't have any choices if they want to go through. So, Kevin, I know you had a lot of questions about this. We might have to pull up the reg to show you. But well, what the, is the other one about the $1,000 or less? What is that? Those are administrative. <laughs> like, if we're going to charge you to, to do all of those. And there's an or. So, it's either so you, you have an impact on the upstream structure. Right. Which, just by the way, that could just mean you build a road within a certain distance downstream of the dam. Could, in and of itself, 
push the dam owner into a different hazard category. I think it's doesn't mean it doesn't mean houses have to be right. I'm not sure how likely that is, but yes, well, it's possible. Probably more likely that a road cross than frankly than, than, than houses being down in Slesen. I think in that case, maybe on a road though, Kevin, you could show you could pass the you know, it, it, it might have a better shot at designing around it um, and not having an impact. But um, anyway, so so the, we could take this money. Okay, the county by the state code is is authorized. We could collect them. No, no, no. So the B one and two, the yes. four one and two. So if there is an impact, option one is you. Developer has to revise the plan so it does not contribute to a impact. Right. Or this is where it's, it didn't say 50 percent. It's contribute payment towards the necessary upgrades, but it doesn't say. It says pay one half of the contract ready cost. Kevin's looking one B one. Right, it's one or two. You one, you move the development out, there's no longer an impact. Stop. You know, or contribute payment. Or contribute payment towards the necessary upgrades. Or, what is that first or? Oh, okay, I'm sorry. So either you alleviate the problem, redesign your project, or you contribute something, but it doesn't say, or does it, is it really meaning per B2? I, I don't know. So anyway, that's that's one. And then it says or two yeah. submit an engineering study right. and pay half of the contract ready costs, not to exceed one percent of the total or a thousand dollars. It seems like I mean I said get out of jail free. No, 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 no. The stop divider, it's you're missing the one. I, I, yeah, not understanding. Okay, okay. So first of all, I think we probably made a mistake. And I think your point is correct. The yellow text probably is a number two. Oh. So good observation. Yeah, that helps. <laughs> I, I really believe that's the case, but I'm gonna go back and do some okay. you know, really hard look at the ranks of the language. Um, because I think that's where the disconnect is. But what's happening in option two, um they have to submit this engineering study. I'm gonna try to just slow it way down. They submit an engineering study. Is that the whole dam break analysis? That's that's what would be zone mapping. That's beyond that. That's what would be needed to upgrade the spillway and the design to accommodate the development. And then the developer would pay one half of the contract ready cost to implement that approved engineering study. Plus these a thousand dollar we're limited in what we can charge you overhead for processing. That's the thousand dollar limit. Administrative, administrative fees. Right. Yeah. You thought it was a thousand dollars? Yeah. Did you already think it was a thousand dollars? No, that's a problem. One half of the contract ready cost estimate. Um, yeah. And so and then we chose the option of we don't want to manage this money. So it goes into this assistance fund that you know landowners can go to and seek funds if they need to make dollars so this is state code driven this is yes and i can i mean i'm happy to send out the regulations 
that we took this from and the um, even the ball excerpts. Um, but they, you know, there's a lot of them. But um, I mean, as, again, this gets up. So I know it's like Betsy, so many hypotheticals. But suppose you're a dam owner. There's a lot of undeve undeveloped land below you. There could be a couple of different tracks. So you're actually the first developer up has to pay half where somebody else might get the benefit of that. Because once you've upgraded the dam once, yeah. so whoever comes first takes the hit. Possibly, unless whoever comes first doesn't have enough of an impact to change your hazard class. Four lots versus. But you're assuming that it does. If it does, yes. If it does. If it's significant. But I think a lot of people will probably just take the option one and redesign some things. I don't know all the particulars of this. I have asked, you know, what but if you did that, supposedly. Then, so say you have three tracks downstream. Yeah. Person A puts in their application. They say, uh, you know, I'm not going to pull these few houses out so I don't have to do this. Yeah. B says, I am going to do it. And then that makes A maybe then have the ability to go back and add in the houses that didn't do the first time. It's true. There's a lot of timing. I've never like seen this. It's so interesting because I've not, I'm not, I'm sure it happens, but I've never personally seen it. I used to work for DCR. I've never seen this. I've never seen somebody actually do this. Um, I guess I ask them for an example. It's probably not happening. DCR just had a whole bunch of funding at the top position. They're pursuing this program. They are doing more mapping and trying to get, trying to figure out which dams are higher risk. And but no, they aren't. They're sending letters out. Oh, yeah. But they're also doing some um, desktop, you know, right. to prioritize those letters. Um, so that's a good point, though. This yellow text probably needs to be in two. And, you know, I looked at other group fictions, but I also looked at Greg, so I'll look at that for sure. Um, so that, that 5500 is driven by state code. And this next section, equal 101. It's what we want you to show. So this is like the same thing as that fire reference access road note where we put the text in 8101 and we refer back to it. All right, so my question there was just that first sentence. The extent of any in an abbreviate here, inundation zone of a mounting structure on the property shall be shown on the plans and plans. What if it's the structure is off site? You still have to show me the zone. Does that say that? It's a, if you have an inundation zone on your property. So it's not tied to whether or not the actual impounding structure. It's the zone. It's if you have any mountain handbrake inundation zone associated with a state regulated dam on your property. But Kevin's right. The yeah. you've got on the property yeah. is after structure, not yeah. after zone. Yeah. You so want about it better over here, is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, let so me do a red line. That's what you mean. Let me do a red line. So this goes. It doesn't matter whether the structure is on the property or not. It's just that doesn't really work, though, because it's the inundation zone of a regulated dam. You can't really break it like that. If it's, really? an, if it's an inundation zone on the property, 
related to a Virginia related impounding structure shall be shown. So on, it says that says on the property of a dam. That, that doesn't make any sense. I'm going to disagree. Well, Jason, fix it. <laughs> I don't think it makes sense. I don't think that change makes sense. Because you wouldn't say on the on the property of a dam. Yeah. That's what that says. An inundation zone on on subject property of your application, right? Yeah. I think that's kind of weird. I said on the property related to a Virginia regulation. Property is not related to it. The inundations. Well, I'm just saying right now it, it's confusing and it says it only applies to the, the structures on the property. Jason, are you there? Help me. Yeah, I'm here. Um, really don't. Do we put regulated impounding structure first? The extent of any Virginia regulated impounding on the property. Just say the extent of a map inundation zone, the Virginia regulated structure shall be shown in all plants and plots. Oh, right. If there's an inundation there, it won't be on the. It, you don't need to say on the property. If there's saying you're going to show the inundation, a regulated dam, there is none. You don't have to show them. Yeah, I mean, that's one solution we could if if uh, Kevin and everybody, the engineers are good with deleting on the property. I mean, and so that way you're showing. I guess you would show both the on site and off site. That could work. I, I'm, I'm open to anything other than what it says right now. <laughs> you already just said. Then you have to show if it's on site or off site. No, it's saying if the structure is on site or off site. No, that's not what you said. If the inundation zone, if you don't say, I want to see the boundaries of the inundation zone on the property that you're developing, then and where do you stop? That's, where I, started, that's where I started. Laura is definitely back to inundation zone on the property related to. A Virginia regulated accounting structure shall be shown in all plans and plans. Is that okay, Jason? The blue? Am I just? I might just be just not getting it. I, I think I like saying associated with better yeah, than yeah. related it's not to. Other, yeah. Okay, that's fine. Associated with. The extent of any regulating accounting structures map and break inundation zone. We wouldn't be forward. We don't. That's it's not only limited to the structure. The structure could be offsite. No, the Virginia regulated impounding structures, possibly has maps, dam break, I was wondering that too. You could do that too. So, do you, do you know she's saying this? I want to show it. You can always put it back. Oh. Connected them together. I guess it's just two less words, but 
I can live with that, I think. Really? You know, because you do the apostrophe S. Is that okay, Jason? In the can we say it's the structures, though? Is that legal? Can a, can a structure have a possessive? Yeah, I think I'm I'm fine with that. Thank you, Angel. <laughs> I, I was trying yeah, to forget, but I couldn't. I was just like trying to minimize adding extra. Sure. It's really trying, but I couldn't get that. Okay. Uh, Will you come back and perhaps reword that? Be yes. yes. Yeah. The only other thing I ch changed there is also um, you have some references to just impounding structure versus Virginia regulated impounding structure. And I'm just trying to figure <laughs> out. If yeah, we got this comment. I'm trying to think if we did now. I thought we I thought we tackled that, but Virginia by I'll make a note, Jason, we can look at it. Um, That's just basically we just need to define a term. So a couple of things, Jason, if you could opine on this hypothetical situation where you have an application that is ending approval, I mean, at the signature stage, and all of a sudden an inundation benefit gets published, does that trigger all of this stuff? The way it's written right now, it says prior plan approval, the first LSDO paragraph. That just, that would be a very unfortunate thing, I think. That best available data conversation we had, Jason? Yeah, I, I remember the conversation, um, and I know we talked about, you know, what happens. Um, you know, if you're if, like what you, you said, Kevin, about if you're right at signature set submission, but then I know Laura and I also discussed, um, we have applications you know, that we review in our office that have dates. I mean, they're not a lot of them, but, you know, there are a number that have dates that are still in like the 2000, um, I don't know what you call that decade, the tens. <laughs> um, you know, so they've just been, for whatever reason, they've just been, um, Pending, you know, they're on multiple submissions. And so I know that was something else we talked about was if I submit, you know, an application three years ago and it's just taking forever to get through, um, I don't think that that means, and, you know, better data does become available. I don't think that that means that you don't ever have to. There aren't situations where you shouldn't have to update your application. 
it's a, particularly because it's a public safety one, I would hate to see the headline that said, Loudoun County approved an application, although they knew the property was in a flood inundation zone. That's a... And, 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 not, and listen, you can look on the map and see if there is one, right? You'll know. You'll know when you design. Now, I know that doesn't protect you from the landowner complying, but we have, what did I say? Eight out of 133. Yeah, I just think there's going to be a flood. Right, but it's not about those eight. It's about if one yeah. comes in. Yeah. So in this hypothetical scenario that have been present around for forever, have they gone inactive or they they stayed active the whole time? I mean, if it goes inactive, I can see you saying, sure. if hey, you got to do it. Or if something is reactivated, it's treated as a submit. You know, that, I don't know if I want to do that, but. I mean, I'm just trying to think of, are there other situations? I mean, the FSM is all about public safety. So, you know, if some other governing code changes, during the time and app, you know, before the FSM is updated or whatever, it moves forward. Is this something what about like those fire marshal changes that were made for like pending applications subject to all that? Grateful data. I don't, I don't think so because you're subject to the version of the FSM that's applicable at the time of your application. <laughs> Like, oh, they pull the fire from Carter. Yeah. It's a PR problem for sure. Can you reach out to the dam owner if you're designing downstream and just, or could you do some hypothetical modeling? Or also anybody, I could go to DCR and say, can you run a, a base model of this? And they'll do it. I don't think I have to be a property owner. No, you wait and Yeah. No, they don't just do it. Would you do it? Would you, what would you advise your applicant in this scenario? If this gets adopted, what would you advise your applicant to do? Would you say, let me run it? Would you as an engineer run it and try to get like a, I mean, you could protect it that way. I know you're doing it for the landowner of and it's not your burden. What's but involved, if you want to minimize risk. Like a lot of data from about the pond, like the depth. Depends on what level of there's a base flow analysis that, yeah, you could do fairly easily. But if you're going to run all those different conditions of sunny day, yeah. I would do the widest. So it's a model that you're running. Yeah. I have to know something about the volume, on volume. And these. Um, hazard ratings, you're reaching way downstream. You know, you talk to DCR, they say they won't give you the, the distance. They'll say, hey, they have to take that five or 10 miles downstream. Yeah. And if a public road crosses it, now you got to analyze the public road crossing to determine whether it can convey. It's a big task. It could be. Yeah. yeah. It, it could be. But it is sort of you're rolling the dice because I, I think it would be very rare that you'd be in the middle of an application process and then that's going to appear. Could you get your preliminary plan, subdivision plan approved, and then you're in the middle of your site plan, and then the map comes on, and you got lots of plan to be there, and you got to redo that? 
mean, yeah, because we're not going to export building permit, right? If we find that information out, yeah. we can yeah. issue a building permit right. if we I have more information. So it doesn't, you know, again, the challenge is that it's, it's more relevant to me issuing a building permit, building issuing a building permit, than it is actually the site plan document okay. that you get approved. I, so that it's they they would take the risk of going through all that without doing it. And be, well, and because GCR is pushing this, there are going to be a lot more maps added in the next are. couple of years. It's not like be more known information. Yes. I mean, there's going to be a push for maps that you haven't seen. Yeah. We're going to try to get as many as we can with implementation of this, so that you have full information. That's why we're doing this partnership. Well, I'm saying that the state is requiring the yeah. dam. But there's no there, but there are no the teeth. There's no teeth. If you don't do it, uh, uh, there are. There are. I've never seen teeth. I've never seen anything fined or court or. Because they're giving leniency to allow people. But technically, there are time frames that the dam must. But that's why we have the majority of them don't want it. Or well, but that's what I'm saying. That, that this new push yeah. is is I think yeah. changing everything. Yeah. yeah. So is there, is, I mean, I I get it. I mean, it's a quagmire. Zone. Well, I mean, kind of like when the FEMA changed their flooding flood maps, right, in 2017. Yeah. That changes the feasibility. We had to adjust, like to your point. You know, we had to move things. Those 130 dams that are identified in the county GIS system as a specific layer that. No, find. not right now. That's something we're talking about, Keith, is that we put it. Do we make it a public layer? Do we make it a layer that engineers can purchase? Not make it public. Well, I get back to if we're trying to analyze this. What are the most there's a dam that you don't want? <laughs> smiling at me like don't say too much yeah. <laughs> don't say too much but i am i am uh, advocating strongly for that yes yeah. <laughs> write that down that uh, the committee thinks it's important to have access to the data that's what i heard right so <laughs> i'm assuming you just got it from dcr yes but but we can put it over our parcel okay. right? we're just kind of I mean, you probably can't do it. But the problem is some of these may not define like in ordinance. Actually, I think it's got to be well putting it on the GIS. You got to be careful because these letters went out, and DCR, based on the information they had available, thought they may be regular. There are some that are not go through the analysis report. Yeah, we wouldn't have data for those. We only have data for ones that have operation and maintenance certificates and have done emergency action plans. In the That's the 133. Well, no, we don't actually have data for those. That was like third. So that wouldn't be on our map. The only That's one the issue. Is the 133 is our question. If there's one, well, of we wouldn't show it. 
like you're saying, tag the vet. What we were asking is tag the dam as a regulated or potentially regulated dam so that an applicant that's nearby can come and track that thing's a mile less. We on the state list. I mean, we're not doing anything the state has to The state shows all 133. And it's and up to the property the, owner to yeah, say, no, I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> I mean, until the state agrees you're not regulated, that dot says you are. We're not getting I'm not, we, well, I'm clearly out of that. <laughs> but, yeah, we would, I mean, it would be damned points and local limitations. For what we have available. But the limitations are big for whatever ones you have. It's obvious that these other 120-ish, it's bad on what we're getting done. But you would want to know it's there. Because it potentially they could do an inundation zone. That's why you're in your development. But you have to be careful. What I'm saying is some of this may might not. Yeah. Just, just refer to their data, our personal data. We keep it there. Kevin, you were saying exemption. How do you get an exemption? Agricultural use, uh, um, field verification, height of the dam. Yeah, field verification. Volume and process. Okay. Submit a study to change their data. I just submit the data to DCR and they say no. Yeah. There's a process. Most of the time I've seen it reverse. Looks like they go out to an HOA and they have five dams. They thought two were regulated and they leave the four up. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very rare that, that somebody pops out. I don't out. have dozens of these examples yeah. to tell you, but you know, yeah. there are some that. I mean, it's possible. There are some examples. Yeah. Go to a site visit, I can show you how it works. In real <laughs> they measure it. You got it I have a personal connection with this too. My parents locked. They have a regular. And then there's a road. Easy downstream with the abatement, a public road. And a big farm that could be developed. <laughs> yeah, but that can act this that goes for an inundation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not over the hill. I, I gotta think about that though, Keith. Many of their roads are over dams. Right, so we're gonna revisit this again with some clarification on these some of them. Right. Yes. So you're I mean, where did we land on the prior to approval of the application? Have we are we generally in consensus? Do you have strong feelings against that? Where, where are we? Turns my stomach. <laughs> I'm just speaking up. Anything that could be a surprise late in the plan approval process. What's approval? Is that conditional approval or final approval? But I mean, it sounds like from Betsy that won't even matter if you get the building permit. Let's assume we was identified during the building. Yeah. 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 Even if you get that approval. So it's better to just leave it this way. Or if I don't think from from a safety perspective, this is something that you can choose to best in approval. I mean, if we know or get better information, I can't authorize the construction of the item, but we know that we I, I'm not disagreeing. Okay. All right. It's just. So it makes it kind of unique. I mean, to a zoning ordinance change, which is, we're 
I'm just thinking back to that floodplain overlay district again. Little existing structures, so they be dealt with that one way, but then any new structures you have to follow. Yeah. It's something similar to how you. I think the difference is if it were actually existing, like if we had actually issued a building permit before we do it, I don't think I could then say, you know, so sorry, we've got more information. Yeah, your sure. problems. Oh, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, there was a, that was tough. Right. It handled differently. Where, so, you know, again, I think you're besting if that's where you want to use the issue building permit. Because once that's issued, it would yeah. fall into that category. It would kind of be that. Um, it wouldn't, yeah, there's a word that so many uses that is not coming to mind. Non-conforming or something. Yeah. 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 It's like it's allowed, but you couldn't like add on later. Just, right. Yeah. Right. And if you're doing substantial improvements to it, it wouldn't, there's a, there's an amount of improvement. Yeah. Access that way when you're working in the WRPA as well. Or in the other. So Kevin, the only other thing is this, this language at number B1. Subsection B1, cleaning that up, right? What do you need for me, Dave? Right. What do you need? Both B1 and 2 need clear. What was I don't know by anyone else. I, I would like to read the. So that's really the white paper I had attached the rights and everything. Okay. So if I read if I reset the white paper with okay. all the attachments, you all will have everything. That will take care of that. And then um okay, that sounds fair. And then so yeah, I'm still trying to understand Elizabeth's question. If a downstream project changes the hazard classification of a dam that's by someone else, you get down to B2, you submit a study and pay half of the contract ready cost estimate. And that is that going into the fund or is it just the the one percent. That the, 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 the everything. The whole thing goes. Well, not the administrative fees. We keep administrative fees, but the okay. but the one half of the cost would go into. You don't have to but actually they, have to improve the dam. Doesn't sound like, but it, does that convey the burden on that upstream owner to? <laughs> yeah. This is where the missing owner, I think, are concerned because there's no. Okay, so I just like to be sure I understand that, and and we if it's. Fully state code, there's not much we can do about it. I think it'll help when you look at yeah. that. Okay. I really do. And if, if I will double check, I'm going to double check and make sure it's, I think what I attached was the regs. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where it is. But if not, I'll give you the code. Pretty idle. Yeah, could I bring up that issue I talked about earlier? Um, Two more minutes. If we're going we're gonna to skip, if we do that, we're going to skip this. Sustainable housing. Where is that priority? It's a zoning or right item. It's important. But then it's going to be covered in five minutes. 
versus John, question? Probably not. <laughs> That's a good point. Probably not. So go ahead, John. So, so the issue I want to reiterate, I don't know how many more of these meetings I'll be in is there. At least in my experience, there's some confusion of whether or not the FSM is actually part of the ordinance. The, understand it's part of the land of the subdivision ordinance. But it doesn't say that, and the authority isn't clear in the actual FSM, and I think it states that it's a guide to be used. And, and I've had a couple of experiences, particularly with hydrogeology studies, where the consultant has said that their engineering judgment trumped what the FSM asked them to do. It was on the one foot drawdown line on a particular project, and they said they didn't need to do that um, based on what they thought they should do better. Um, so I think practitioners know that it's part of the ordinance, but I think a lot of, in this case, it was the planning commissioners of Middleburg that didn't understand that the consultant had complied with the ordinance and they, they did, you know, bring up any objection to it. So, and maybe Jason could opine on whether the authority of the FSM ought to say that this is, um, is an ordinance and needs to be complied with rather than a guide to interpret the various uh, requirements that are uh, listed elsewhere. So I think it's a little, I think it's a little fun beyond where the FSM stands in terms of a, a guide versus a national things that are in the FSM. John, I think it's a fair question. Uh, what is the, wasn't, around when that word guide was put in there. I, for, I forget the section of the LSDO, but the LSDO specifically says that the, the FSM is part of the, the land subdivision development ordinance. I, the, the FSM doesn't say that. So it the FSM does say that. It doesn't say it's part of the, it doesn't say that it's part of the ordinance. And it says that it's a guide. No, it doesn't. I'm looking at it right there on the screen. The LSDO shall consist of 1241 through 1246 of the codified ordinances and the Loudoun County Facility Standards Manual. It is so part the of FSM, the LSDO. The FSM doesn't say that it's an ordinance. I did say the LSDO. Yeah, he's for, we talked about this previously at a previous meeting. He's looking for a cross-reference in the FSM to the LSDO. I don't think the FSM needs to have the cross-reference. And what I believe the FSM says by it's a guide is that unlike a lot of other things like the zoning ordinance, you know, granted that's based on um, statute as to how you can do modifications, et cetera, of the zoning ordinance. The FSM, you can pretty much, unless it specifically states otherwise, you can get a waiver. You can apply for a waiver. And I believe the criteria for a waiver says that the standards are the minimum standards, unless basically the director finds that you're doing something. Uh, proposing a variation, sorry, not a waiver, a variation that, you know, proposes something else that's acceptable. So that's how I view that as um, that. that uh, I know what language you're talking about, um, about it saying, you know, it's a guy, but that's how I view that language. I, I, I don't understand what the hesitancy is to say that the FSM is an ordinance. Well, it's because it is. It's not a standalone. It's, it has, I didn't. I didn't say that it should be. But if you're reading the FSM as a standalone document, 
but I think it has different connotations legally, and that's where Jason would really opine if it's an ordinance than if it's a manual. But it says the that's exactly my point, because that's the confusion. The land development ordinance says it consists of these articles plus the FSM. But the ordinance contains both. Uh, it's, it's not a reference. It says it is contained. It is consists of the two that. You know, it's. I'm telling you, there's confusion out there. So, if you so, don't want to change it, it's certainly up to you. Well, no, John, what I'm wondering is if we pin down the example. The issue is you brought up an issue of hydrogeo and the interpretation of is that the summit guideline for hydrogeo requirements. I feel like that requires us to look at hydrogeo and discover if that language in there is unclear. Well, I, I can Should show you. you that flexibility. No, it's very clear what it asks for. I can send you the consultant report that says the FSM is a guide and we don't have to follow it. It's probably helpful to send it. I mean, I think it'll be helpful to see. And I think that might be the issue. Because if you were saying this is across the board, you know, people say this for hydrogeo studies, no, people no. say this for other things. You're you're citing a very specific example where the hydrogeo technical text and the hydrogeo technical professionals are saying we don't have to follow that sentence. That's a that's just one example I have, but okay. it applies across. I've had this discussion with Steve Price and a bunch of other land attorneys. And they say, well, it's this and it's that. And there's really no clear consensus on that it is an ordinance and it has to be enforced as an ordinance. I know that the. You know, I might interrupt. The attorney will always debate whether something is a single one hand. I mean, we've got a few engineers in the room. And if I could speak, I think for them, we follow the FSM and expect that we're going to get hammered to follow it unless we specifically identify why we it was not appropriate to follow, and we have to file then and pay for uh, the director to evaluate our request for a variation to the one. And there's some things that, as Jason said, that we can't deviate from, like the phase one archaeological. It specifically says it cannot be you know, say waived or whatever. So, but otherwise, I mean, it, it, you know, as an engineer, you have to, you know, if I want to debate whether the rainfall data is, a, is applicable or appropriate or not, you know, you're going to lose that argument. 99 times out of 100, you just say this is not, not practical to do. That's why I brought up Tiger Geo, because that's a yeah. little, that's that's different. And I, and I think there's been, uh, you you have requested that we revisit the Hydro Geo section, and I'm not opposed to that. You know, maybe it's something we should have a work group to look at if there are things that are unclear or well, additional. I'll just say one more thing that is that it was clear what the requirement was it wasn't a matter of unclear requirements it was the fact that the consultant said the fsm is not it is not required to be followed therefore we substitute engineering judgment for the guidelines of the fsm and it was they were very much not doing what they were told to do 
It's not a matter of the requirements being a matter of the didn't consider it a the fact that they needed to follow staff did because the authority said that was unclear on it being a part of the ordinance. But so, if you could provide that specific piece information, I think. I don't see the look at but not aware, so. I'm an engineer, I do what you say to follow yeah. the <laughs> until someone tells me not to. Lawyers love to debate the applicability any written document. Not this was helpful when you came out too. I put it on the screen for the group because let me scroll up for a second. This was at 124103, and Kevin found this text where it says the provisions of this ordinance and FSM shall be the minimum requirements. <coughs> I thought that was kind of, I mean, I'm not some language that I focused on a lot. Well, that, that makes sense, but it's not mirrored in the FSM. If it was mirrored in the FSM, it would be great. That would make it easy to use. So I, I think, think what we said when we talked about this last time is we would take a look at that, the potential of putting a statement in the FSM. Yeah. Okay. This was a long time ago. I remember some conversations among this committee about that concept of guy, right? It's a, it's a, it's a slippery slope one way or the other. No. A lot of us would like to see that very prescriptive, so we don't have to debate. We don't have to, you know, impart necessarily engineering judgment. It's got to do what it says. Yeah, I'm not saying change the requirements in any way. Yeah, yeah. Make it clear that it's uh, yeah. something that can be interpreted, but it is required. Is you know, I don't think we can change it to say this is a standalone ordinance. That that is going to have to be at a higher level than this committee can make that decision. You know, I'm saying the structure of the LSDO incorporating the FSM. That's there. I think we could add it right here. One hundred potentially. This document, FSM, is part of the Latta County Land Subdivision Ordinance. Or is incorporated into the Latta County Subdivision Ordinance by reference. Yeah, so, yeah, we could do that. With, right there, boom, done. But then if, if the guide question is still there, I don't know how you. I mean, I, I think it's just a clarity question. But, I mean, the cross-reference factor. I think that's, that's, that's all what that's, you're asking. Yeah, that's all I'm asking. Oh, okay. And it's clear that it is. Uh, I, I come from a mill spec background. Usually you have a mill spec and then you have a handbook that tells you how to how interpret the mill spec. So when I saw this as a manual, I thought of it as a how-to guide rather than a what to do. I'm saying it wrong, but Jason could probably come up with something very elegant that could be put in the open line. Right. And, the, and that's where it belongs in the authority center. Thank you for bringing that up. And plus, I don't drag this on. We'll have to revisit at our next meeting. Make sure the animal housing text is on the agenda. Plus, we'll probably just do stormwater at the next meeting. Oh, really? We're on a deadline. Are you under the bus? <laughs> I think it's kind of great, right? Stormwater is 
Yes, two more stringent deadline. I mean, if you think we can, you can not let me get ahead of her yet. What I don't know. A couple of those we may be able to just hammer out. But if we get through stormwater, we can put it second on the agenda. There we go. If everybody wants to, if we right. well, we'll we'll discuss the agenda. So, consider us like Thank you all for coming. Happy to be here.